let's look at what James is trying to say to us in the book of uh, James chapter 3, from verse 1 till the end. Hmm. He, today we will be looking at um, what, he's, what is James talking about, about teaching, about the power of the tongue, how powerful the tongue is, the power, the danger, and the use of our tongue, as well as heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. So let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We worship you and we give you all the praise. Thank you, Father, for your word, because your word is life. Your word is light. Your word is understanding. Your word gives us wisdom. Your word is powerful. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will take this tongue of clay, which knows no good, and turn it to your instrument, your tool, to deliver your word this afternoon. And likewise, I pray, Lord, for everyone that will be hearing my voice, either in person here, in this auditorium, or online, that, Lord, you will sanctify our tongue and use it for your praise and glory. May our tongue be that instrument that will encourage, elevate others when they are downcast. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The entire chapter 3 of James, I divide into two parts. One part, uh, part 1, we'll be talking about the teachers and the taming of the tongue. While part 2 talks about the difference between heavenly wisdom and the earthly wisdom. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, not many of us should become teachers. <clears throat> it's a big word there. So I put in bracket. Why? Because we who teach will be judged more strictly. Verse 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. And verse 2b says, Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Does that sound like you and me? It doesn't sound like me, but I'm a work in progress. So I said, really? This reminds me of John chapter 8 from verse 1 to 11. When the people were trying to trap Jesus, trap the word of Jesus, when they caught a woman in the act of adultery, they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we saw this woman. We found her in the act of adultery. What shall we do unto her? Jesus stooped down and was writing in the dust. Several times, you know, they spoke to Jesus. Didn't you hear what we're saying? Eventually, Jesus looked up after much pressure. And Jesus said, all right, now let any of you who had never seen first cast the stone against this woman. And one by one, they all left. The Bible said from the oldest to the youngest. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said, where are your accusers? And the woman said, Lord, no one is. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It is not easy to be teachers of the word. Because teachers of the word, as teachers of the word, you have to watch out on what you say, how you say it. And, you know, 
and the impact it would have on others while you say that word. I've heard so many teachers say to students that they may never amount to things or to something. But to the glory of God, those, children, those uh, students, they took it as a challenge and worked around things and turned it around to be great students. But this doesn't apply to all students. Some students take it and run with it and they turn to nothing, the power of the tongue. The Bible says in Titus 2, 7, verse 8, Show yourself in all respect to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opportunity may be put to shame. I mean, your opponent will be put to shame. Having nothing evil to say about you. During the first scene, I spoke to you about Jesus and the adulterous woman. Jesus' opponents had nothing to say about him. Likewise, Jesus, the Bible, wants us to walk in this model. As Jim said, those who teach will be judged more strictly. So, teachers in armies, beware. This does not only apply to teachers of faith. I'll say it applies to secular teachers as well. I pray that all who teach students will be guarded with godly wisdom, care, and integrity to help those students. James also said, as teachers, we can either build or destroy with our tongue. Our tongue is very powerful. So be very careful as human beings not to approach things negatively. No one is perfect. I totally believe that. But God will help us and give us the grace. Again, does this only apply to teachers? I say no. This applies to everyone whom has someone looking up to them, has parents, friends, and mentors. We are all teachers. And whatever we model, our students will emulate. And whatever we say into the life of our children, our friends, that person who we mentor, goes a long way. Please try and show good things into the life of others because words matters a lot. Try and encourage them through the words you say to them. I would often say, if Jesus do not say it, please don't say it. The book of James also talks a lot about the tongue. For example, in chapter 1, verse 19, he talked about being slow to speak. And in verse 26, he said, our use of the tongue is one indicator of true religion. Again, in chapter 2, he said, with the tongue we reveal our, our partiality and proclaim our faith. And it goes on and on. What James is trying to say simply is, our words are very powerful. And apart from the redeeming work of our Lord Jesus Christ, we would only do harm with our tongue or with our words. So, we need God's wisdom 
to use our words wisely. Our words also reveal the state of our mind. James likened the tongue to both good and evil. He said, with the mouth we praise God, yet we curse our fellow human beings who are made in God's image. He said, as small as the tongue is, it is likened to a rudder that stirs a large ship. Imagine this tongue likened to that little wheel that stirs the ship. It goes, it, 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 though the tongue is very small, it is very powerful. It can do good. However, it is also likened to a small spark of fire that spread and set the forest on fire. Setting the forest on fire, I don't think is a good thing. But that is what our tongue can do if we don't use it wisely according to the will of God. Also, he, James said that the tongue can become a world of evil among the parts of the body, if not rightly used. In verse 7, he said, all kinds of animals can be tamed by men, but no human being can tame the tongue. He said the tongue is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. The control of the tongue has both negative and positive aspects. It involves the ability to restrain the tongue in silence. But it also means being able, being able to control your tongue gracefully using the right words, right encouraging words for people when required. Yet, there is another wonderful encouraging side to the tongue. The tongue is not just all evil. It also has a good side. The Bible tells us that it is the breath by which we express our deepest desire, instinct, and opinion that may produce healthful and pleasing fruit if we use it wisely. The book of Proverbs 15 verse 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Therefore, sanctification in any area of our life is always required in order to express this doubt dimension. How can we put this right? We have to put off what is unholy for our tongue and put on what is right, either in speech or in silence, which will promote the mark of maturity. The tongue is powerful. As small as it is, you can build up people's life. At the same time, you can pull down people's life. You can help people with the tongue, yet you can destroy them with the tongue. As Christians, we must beware. Now, according to R.C. Sprouse, he said, Though the pursuit of wisdom is something to be condemned, history testified that 
much of the humanity has found wisdom without ever finding God. This is true. But the Apostle Paul condemned the wisdom of this world, for it is those who live according to earthly wisdom who despise and reject Jesus. Now I'm talking about the difference between the heavenly wisdom and the earthly wisdom. Likewise, Paul and James understand that there is a vast difference between earthly wisdom and the heavenly wisdom. Earthly wisdom does not understand heavenly wisdom somehow, something like that. It doesn't understand the wisdom is characterized, that the heavenly wisdom is characterized by humility and meekness. Earthly wisdom finds its root in jealousy, envy, and selfish ambition. Verse 13 says, it is the result of inordinate desire for things that do not belong to us or from a loss for power. It is simply demonic. The selfish ambition and jealousy all root from earthly wisdom. We can acknowledge that wisdom appeals to the sense and emotion of man. In contrast, the wisdom that is from God reflect the heart of God in us. It shows the fruit of the Spirit in us. It also shows whom Christ is to the world in us. The world does not know who God is, but through us, through the wisdom of God, we portray who Christ is to the world. While earthly wisdom says always, follow your heart. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. We can understand. The earthly wisdom says seeing is believing. But godly wisdom says we work by faith and not by sight. Therefore, James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. God desire us to give his divine wisdom to his children. I mean, God desire to give his divine wisdom to his children. All other types of learning are valuable, but very limited. Unless it is built upon the knowledge and the revelation of God's wisdom. In order to gain God's wisdom... We must pray for it earnestly, study the word of God, and living out his word. It is easy to find our hearts straying from God towards ideas and belief system that sound impressive and appealing. But however, as believers, we must remain diligent, steadfast in seeking God's wisdom and keeping his wisdom in our hearts, and also by also revealing it to our children. We may, have, we may have to stand against the wisdom of our families at times, what they say, the encouragement they give, if it is not godly. 
God's wisdom gives us focus and direction when we have to choose between what is good and evil. It is that stare, it is that hope that keeps us going. With God's wisdom, with God's wisdom, you find no, I mean, your heart is not shaken. Even when it doesn't look right, your heart is at peace because it is what God has given to you. So, I don't know who I'm talking to, but beware. When people say, oh, this doesn't seem right, but when God is telling you this is right, go for it. Now, I will leave you with this question. Does the wisdom that you share and live by reflect more of God or more of this world? In what area of your life are you prone to wander and stray from God's wisdom? God's wisdom is right close to you. It's in your heart. All you just have to do is to ask for God's wisdom, and he will give it to you. It takes time. It develops us gradually. It just doesn't come instantly. But when we ask, he will definitely give it to us. With God's wisdom, we need to consult it. We need to seek for it. We need to look for it. And we will find it. God bless you.